this good. Told ya. He was even better the other day when his intensity was turned up. You should have seen him. Unbelievable. You're taking this rather well. This is difficult for you, isn't it? I can tell. You're really fond of him. You think he'll surrender? Not a chance. It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we watch every episode of Gundam Seed and then tell you about it and how much we like it, and we talk about Sexy Ramba Roll for at least one more episode. My name is Jeremy. My name is Zach. I've been animating for so long, I'm an old type. <laughs> I'm Tyler. Uh... So yeah, we're watching episode 21, Beyond the Clouds of Sand. Yeah, say so I never notice the actual episode titles of this show. I forgot they I had have to titles. remember them. I have to focus very hard to remember them to tell the nice people. That's why in my notebook it's just labeled as Seed 21, which is actually the name of a school in Final Fantasy VIII, the worst Final Fantasy. I mean, it's better than the original. I'm sure for somebody is they're going to say that's them fighting is, words. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's better than 13. Either 8 or 9 is actually Ed's favorite, but, but uh, Dan, Ed, and I were standing around talking about Final Fantasies and like trying to rank them one night. Dan and I have fairly similar opinions on Final Fantasies, and Ed's like, nope, 8 and 9, those are the best ones. We're like, Ed. I like 8 more than 9, I won't lie. As long as 13 exists, we know which one is the worst one. I haven't played 9. I feel like 13 is better than the original still. And 2. Have you ever played Final Fantasy 2? That weird one that Square tries to present it, pretend isn't real anymore? No, nah, I've never actually played it. So, your hit points go up when you get attacked? Or they have a chance of going up? Like, that's how the level up mechanic works? Oh, okay. Oh, so if you And when it. you attack someone, you have a chance of your attack going up. So the best way to play that game is to get in a fight with an easy enemy, have your entire party just beat each other up for a couple <laughs> times until you're strong enough to just go beat the game. So it's a shonen anime, basically. Yes. <laughs> um, so you have, like, the slime is sitting there, yeah, and you're watching as the player party beats the shit out of each other. Yep. It's pretty great. And Square was like, maybe maybe these mechanics weren't such a great idea in hindsight. Uh, uh, guys, aren't, aren't you supposed to be attacking us? Shut up. I forgot I was going to mention it earlier, but I watched something that was anime related. I watched all of Dragon Ball Z Kai, and I did mention it earlier. Did you watch the new live action movie of Veroni Kenshin? What? I'm sorry, what? Did you watch the uh, musical no. of Case Close? Not Case Close, the musical of Phoenix Wright? No, no, I definitely Japanese, want to see that. Although a case closed Phoenix Wright crossover, I would watch. The case closed loop on the third crossover is pretty good. So that also sounds pretty great. What did you watch, Tyler? I no, I can't remember. Oh, I, good I, job. I, I was gonna say I was gonna mention it, but it's been so long now that I forgot. So it was yeah. more related to this podcast than the other one, which is why I was gonna mention it. All right, so. We just did this podcast last week, and we still can't remember how to do it. But if there's some reason you decided to start 21 episodes in, the story thus far is that in space, there are Captain America people who worked on their genes called coordinators. They all got thrown into space because normal people are totes jelly of them. And then normal people nuked their space colonies, so it's war. But the Captain Americas built giant robots, so they're winning the war. Also, they're Captain Americas. That probably helps. Also, the regular people. Also, they're called coordinators. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the regular people just discovered giant robot technology, and that's where the series starts. I think the idea here is actually, if you're starting this podcast on episode 21, go back to episode one and start there. But I like my Captain America joke. 
Now, maybe like episode 12, whichever one, uh, George, George, what's his face, who is the first coordinator, comes in and he goes off on a mission to Jupiter. And I don't think drops. his name was George. Definitely. Definitely. George. Wasn't George Flay's dad? Yeah, George was Flay's dad. It was something equally banal, though. George Glenn. Oh, it was. You're right. Yep. Ah, this is why I keep notes, guys. <laughs> no, I thought you kept notes for us to laugh at you for. Also a little bit of that, actually, but mostly that. I actually. mostly laugh with, with him, I feel like. They're pretty good notes. They are. They're the highlight. So if you want me to stop talking about Captain America's, email us at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com. Or Captain America he, at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com. <laughs> he, he's not going to stop. I might. If people are like, nah, Gundam, you need a better joke, I'll come up with one. Kira Yamato, the best Captain America of all, <laughs> was living on a neutral colony where the Earth people were building some robots when they were attacked by Zaft, which is the army of the coordinators. And then all of his regular ass friends got on a ship with him. And he became a protagonist that day. <laughs> and then the girl he had a crush on had sex with him, which was cool for him, except she was dating his only friend type person. And, Except uh, for Atherin Zala, his friend type person who is on the other side and trying to kill him with one of the giant robots he stole. She was not dating Tall. Yeah, I know. Tall has a nice relationship. Tall is free of melodrama and therefore doesn't get in this recap. Yeah, Tall and Millie are the only sane couple in the entire show. I mean, Lacus and Atherin seem okay. Yeah, that's true, actually. Lacus is the best, but she's not in this episode, so it's not important. <laughs> Atherin isn't in this episode either, actually. But his... Co-workers, Isaac <laughs> and Diarca, who got stranded on Earth, are Isaac is an edgelord a who is very character. angry that Kira stabbed his Gundam, and he has a scar for it still. Diarca is his chill friend. Yeah, he has some some emotional maturity. Um, they stole some cool giant robots. Isaac has the duel, which is the worst one. It's just a Gundam. Uh, Diarcus is all artillery. It's basically just the heavy arms. I like it a lot more than the heavy arms. You can... I'm partial to the heavy arms. Because it has heavy arms and also shoot, 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 and Gundam Battles all too? No, actually, it's because I like auto cannons. No, oh, I was thinking it's because you play Deadpool piloting the heavy arms in Gundam Battle Assault Tool. Bang! Bang, 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 Only until I run out of ammo. <laughs> See, I prefer the Buster because it feels more like an artillery piece. It feels like it has a roll, whereas the heavy arms feels like some guy that liked auto cannons <laughs> got the job to design a Gundam. He's like, ah, I've been waiting for this moment. Well, that's kind of the whole problem with the wing Gundams. They aren't designed around working the for any kind of roll. looks really cool, though. Yeah. And the other ones all kind of suck. I mean, Wing. The Wing is just the Zeta Gundam. Yeah. Only white. Yeah. The Wing Zero Custom at least has that angel aesthetic. And Sandrock Sandrock gets hit because of the fact that nobody likes Catra. I like the thing Catra. Is, the Sandrock has really grown on me. It doesn't really look like any other Gundams. And why I don't know why it has those swords, at least they're kind of cool. And but it has no ranged weapon. And one that thing you got to of... remember, Heavy Arms is the fastest of all Gundams. What? Yeah, Heavy Arms is the fastest of all Gundams. What? I feel like you're setting up a joke, and I'm not getting Because it. it's painted red. Therefore, it must be 300% faster than all other Gundams. It's not as, as Gundams. Too, but that's not a Gundam, so... Exactly. Uh, Therefore, Heavy Arms is the fastest of Gundams. What about the Aegis? Can we count the Sasavi? Heavy Arms is faster. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, can we count the Sasavi? I don't think so. I don't think the Although Sasavi if I remember, is a Gundam. If I remember correctly, all the wing Gundams are freaking dinky. Yeah, they're tiny compared to other Gundams. Uh, they're bigger than the G Gundam Gundams, which are even smaller in scale. Well, that's but because yeah. they're basically two and a half domones. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Anyway, Kira landed on Earth with Moo, who's a cool guy. And now they're fighting Andrew <sighs> Walfelt, who's sexy Rambaral. He's just Rambaral, but sexier. He met sexy Rambaral. He was like, yogurt sauce is cool. And now they have this interesting relationship. Also, Kigali. She's a girl. She's mean. 
But, you know, just because she doesn't like to admit she has feelings. Sexy Rumberall's wife dressed her up like a doll. I <laughs> find that part incredibly funny. <laughs> Everyone in the room was confused, including Sexy Rumberall's wife. wife. Why did I do this exactly? Uh, yeah, so that's where we are. And now Kira and Maru, who's the captain of the Archangel, which is their ship, and Mu and Natarl, who is an important character we will talk about later, that I don't feel like talking about right now. Have not really in have, the episode. Have teamed up with some random resistance fighters to try to take out Andy Waltfelt, Sexy Rumbleroll, and escape this enemy-controlled territory. That's everything, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, so anything else we want to say before we start? No, no. Our recaps take way too much information into account. <laughs> no, they're great. They're fantastic. And we'll be watching, as I said, episode 21, Beyond the Clouds of Sand. You should go watch it, too. It's cool. I promise, this show is good. This is an action-packed one that has some real nice animation. And not to delay further, but Zach, you said this is your favorite fight in the series, is that right? If I remember the fight right. The Baku fight? It's been a while since I watched it. Oh, is it it's is been a while since I watched all of Seed, so I could be wrong. But I do remember that I really like this fight. It's a good one. I have some small problems with it. It's not my favorite one, but that's more about we're going to get some real good fights as this season I th- goes I think on. it's because I like Walt. Waltfield a lot. That makes sense. And his cool. interaction with Kira, and the fact that this is one of the only times Kira goes up against somebody who matches him in a uh, lower tech piece of equipment. Yeah, I can see you liking all that. Um, what was I going to say? Something. Although he's got the advantage of having someone else do the aiming for him. I actually really like the uh, tandem mobile suits. I think we'll talk about that and <sighs> artillery pieces. Fusion is just a cheap tactic to make weak mobile suits stronger. I was going to say something, though, relating to this being the fight. Uh, I think one of the things that makes Gundam Seed so good, and I haven't watched Turn A Gundam or Gundam X, the two series that precede it, but this is where Gundam starts getting enough animation budget to do cool things every fight. We would talk a lot, especially in the space arc, whenever they would use the stock footage of the... Atherin and his three co-workers <laughs> doing their attacks. You had that shot of the buster firing every week. And there you have the like... shot of the uh, duel taking out its beam saber. You have lots of stock footage. There is some stock footage in this coming fight, but it is almost entirely like unique things. And why I don't like the Bakus, you can't really use the stock attacks with them. And I think it forced them to get a little bit creative. Also, it makes a lot of sense that Waltfeld would have a uh, twin-seater. Yeah, because, you know, he just takes whatever their... Uh current plaything is and six of them in the seat with them and uh it's wherever that his wife is in that seat is what i'm saying no i think it's <laughs> it's one of those situations of it's a command unit so yeah. she handles the shooting he pi- handles the piloting and order giving yeah although i do have some some comments about that later so we'll get there all right so let's go ahead and begin this one doesn't begin with the last time we get straight into the action with his knife again we get a shot of a brand new mobile suit we actually get Quite a few of those this episode. Is that the gun tank over there? Do those get named? Those are Zoots. They have a different name. Oh, there it is. Yeah. A Zoot. And that's the first line is actually, Sexy Rumble Roll is like, why are they giving us Zoots? We need Bakus. Bakus are the best. I have a fetish. And the cast is like, I don't know, maybe they ran out. Well, it makes kind of sense because the portrayal of the Zoots is they're uh, heavy and slow. And that's pretty clearly not what they're dealing with in the desert. Yeah. Although it's potentially good backup to the Bakus, so. Not if they can't keep up. Yeah, I mean, they've got a giant sand crawler, basically. That doesn't mean that the sand crawler can keep up with the Bakus ground speed. So why do we think they have this? Is it just to sell more toys? Because I do like the design of the zoo fairly well. Part of Xeon's thing in the original Gundam was, even though they had better technology, they were massively mishandling things. And in Ramba Rawls' storyline, after his goof got destroyed, he requested more mobile suits. 
and they denied him. And he's like, fine, I'll just board the white base <laughs> because Rumba Rawl is a man. <laughs> and in the Garen's Greed video games, if you decide to resupply Rumba Rawl, he will capture the Gundam for you. Oh, well. <laughs> but they were playing internal politics and they decided not to. We don't really have this here, though. In fact, when we see the politics in Zaft, they're all about like redoubling the war effort and giving commanders what they need. Like, or, or at least the person who's winning the politics right now, Patrick Zala is. So is th we think this is an abandoned plot point that they decided to go away from stuff that in the original Gundam that maybe they were going to pursue originally. Do we think it's just to sell toys? They still have five Bakus, so... I think it was a toys thing, and I also think that it was kind of supposed to be an implication that they were running low on the Bakus, which seemed to be more of like a recon type of equipment. And, you know, they don't want to hand them all off to Rumble Roll because yep. they don't think what he's dealing with is particularly that rough. That's probably true. I mean, consider <clears> the <throat> environment that he's fighting in as compared to the rest of Zaft, because, like, how many Bakus do they probably produce? Yeah, I feel like it's not many. That's a good point. And I also don't think the Bakus are designed for anti-mobile suit combat. Like, if you look at their weapons, the rail guns seem useful in it, but they also just sort of seem like they're for attacking emplacements those beam sabers do not seem good for beam saber fighting the, so much as they think good for like strafing the a, rocket pods are look like they're more of missiles for hitting fast movers and light vehicles and tanks yeah and it would make sense that they wouldn't develop weapons to fight things the enemy doesn't have yeah which all of a sudden they now have but anyway dictasta theorizes that hey maybe because they sent those two guys they think they're making up for it. And then we get a shot of the Buster and the Duel being unloaded because Diarca and Izak are back. They haven't been gone too long, but it's cool to see our recurring protagonists. Atherin isn't in this episode, which is kind of weird. There he is. <laughs> he is in the intro and Kira flashes back to him for a second. But I think one of the reasons this arc feels so weird to me is because Atherin is just sort of in the background in it. Yeah, no, he's that having, could make sense. He's having a sweet time hanging out with his girlfriend. You know, Although I, I do like... Right before the opening starts up, Sexy Rambaral is mentioning that while they're supposed to be elite troops, they have absolutely no experience fighting in gravity. Yep. Which is actually a pretty significant difference between fighting in zero-G versus fighting in gravity, and especially as we noticed with Kira, on sand. And I was going to get to this later, but it really highlights Kira's abilities, because he, like uh, Andrew Waltfit points out, adapts very, very quickly to this new terrain. Under whereas, fire, no less. Whereas the Arca and Izak, who have been trained in our troops, kind of will have trouble the with fight. Yeah, which is also a good way to help give the Archangel an advantage in a situation it shouldn't. That gets to play with the characters <laughs> we already have. All right, so as we alluded to, we get the opening, and then we're back to, after that dramatic reveal of the Arca and Izak are there, they show up and they're like, ah, oh, the sand sucks. Did uh, Walfell already have his line about not trusting La Crusade? Yeah. Because that's yeah. a good well, bit of character building. I, that... He said, I never liked that guy. I don't oh, yeah. think he said anything about trusting it's the, him. It's the way the tone is. In both the Japanese and the English, there's yeah. that implication. Says, I never liked that guy. Which I like as Lacrosay sort of being in the background. So he feels more present than Atherin does in this arc. Probably because those two are uh, in there all the time. Uh, Izak and Diarca. In part, and we see Lacrosay sort of plotting with Patrick. So yeah, Diarca and Walt Felt go out to greet Izak and Diarca, who uh, salute and try to be polite and such. <laughs> Although, they're not the best at it. 
also tries to be polite and is better at it. Although he also immediately tries to play Dr. Phil. It's like, so I see you left that scar that our magic technology could easily remove. I bet you have some sort of dramatic promise to yourself. And he's acts like, he's also watched anime before. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm familiar with the tropes. What do you think I do all day while I'm drinking coffee? But it's another way that Gundam Seed gets to be expedient with its character development, right? It's a little bit tell, don't show, but it's doing both. So it gets forgiven a little bit, at least in my book. And it very quickly gets us to where Izak is. That And I also kind of felt that it got a little bit after uh, Walfelt as well, because the way he presents it, at least the way I remember it in the English version, is he's being kind of snide about it, but he's poking at Izak, basically saying, I know you're kind of a loose cannon because you've already done this thing. And it's kind of the same thing he did to Kira and Kigali. Yeah. So it's being consistent with his character, too. And Andrew offers to show him their sweet scout photos. Yeah, it, which is weird because, like, they all look confused at it. Like, why are you offering to show us photos? I, I think it's more a matter of they're looking confused because he's saying, I know where they are. I know they're with a resistance group. You want to see the photos? And they're like, kind of the, why haven't you done anything about it yet? So they're like, hey, I heard you fought him. And then we get some cool flashbacks to that fight. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't do any better than you guys. Which continues him being laid back. I also kind of like that as a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Although I don't think he intended it that way. If it had been coming from his wife, it definitely would have been uh, no, intended well, that way. Seeing but. his character, I do kind of think, based on the fact that he really doesn't like Le Creuset, it is kind of a backhanded compliment. So then we see the <sighs> uh, resistance fires scrambling to get ready. An old woman gives Kigali something. She looks really surprised about it. And then they take off in their battle jeeps. <laughs> their warhogs, I guess. <laughs> battle buggy. So she has a big piece of malachite it's that a, she no, it, dramatically. No, it's a big piece of CG in her hand. <laughs> so she's like, you remember Ahmed, that guy who died at two episodes? And her bodyguard's like, not really. Yeah, I literally <laughs> forgot about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, he was going to, I guess, give this to me or something. I guess, like... Oh, that's who Ahmed is. Yeah. I think it might have been, like, an engagement rock because... It was that was the idea. Shaped. He wanted to. He was totally into her, as we talked about. And she's like, I didn't reciprocate, but I'm so sad that you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I didn't like you that way, but I didn't want you to die. I should murder that tiger guy. I don't want frosted flakes. That's all they had to eat there. They're not great. Back to sexy Rumbaral. We get a shot of them looking down on the Archangel and all the battle buggies. And that shot really emphasizes just how freaking big the Archangel is. Because it's this massive thing on the screen. All the little buggies are just like pinpricks. Yeah. Well, it's that hypothetical battleship that's also an aircraft carrier, right? That's also a spaceship that can go on land. I, I know. It's just you don't really get a sense of just how big it is because you don't have a point of reference until yeah. you actually see it against something else. I keep toying with the idea of buying a model of the Archangel and the Eternal. But the reason I don't is the scale is wrong. So it would look tiny next to my Gundams unless I did some real crazy force perspective stuff. But yeah, the Archangel's big, and we're going to see kind of how that helps it later on here. So Sexy Rambaral notices, and he's like, ah, they're going over there. That's where I would go, too. And Isaac kind of, especially in the dub, and I think in this version as well, it's a little harder to tell because I don't speak Japanese that well, says, are we attacking? Like I said, in the English, it's very flippant. It's a little harder to tell in the Japanese, but I think the same thing is going on there. So I was actually going to ask, is there any significance to that other ship being named the Henry Carter? Not that I can tell. I think they just I, thought it was a cool ship name. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Because I, I looked it up. I'm like, well, there were a bunch of historical Henry Carters, but none of them seem particularly significant. Like, so. I don't know what the Lessups would be, right? And that's his command ship. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird, because you have the Lessups, the Petrie, and the Henry Carter. Yeah, okay. My personal headcanon is the Henry Carter is the name of the guy who was in charge of building it. 
So they have three land battleships, as we alluded to there. What do you guys think of land battleships? As um, they're basically a rolling fortress. I'm okay with them, but maybe that's because Armored Core has something very similar. I mean, giant tank, <clears throat> I'm okay with. Because it's a mobile command center, and that's frankly something that, like, in modern eras would be really useful in desert conflicts. But I feel like they're just going to get strafed to death by bombers, right? Uh, so. Depends on your the kind of fighter screen you have. So Ramba Rall also had one of these, and I'm not super into them, but they are basically aircraft carriers for the ground. And since Gundam is a metaphor for dogfights, they work. I just find it weird that you have the Archangel, which feels more like a ship, and then these ground-based ones, too. That feels weird to me for some reason. That's clearly because Earth Ingenuity outpaced the coordinators and came up with floating ships <laughs> instead of giant tanks. Well, I mean... It could be a simple matter of the lessups and stuff. They're a hell of a lot easier to maintain than something like the Archangel. Yeah. Probably cheaper to produce, at least. That, and in an environment where you're going to get a lot of sand into gears, it's going to jam everything up. You need something that's nice and easy to fix if you need to. That's true. You know, one guy with a wrench can free up your treads. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to bring them up. Or a pack we, of Jawas. We've just sort of accepted them as a thing. All right, so then we cut to the mess hall where Kira and Mu are eating, and Mu is being motherly and shoving food on Kira's plate. Be like, you need all the energy because you're the good fighter. And also, when are we going to get to eat local cuisine again? That's way better than the frozen meals. Flay doesn't cook because she's not the cook. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really get the feeling that it's motherly. I get the feeling more of Big Brother. Yeah, that's Because fair, he's, not like, he's not like, eat all your food. It's, here, eat this. It's not fatherly. And here's, so I was here's, trying to come up with another thing. Big he, Brother is definitely better. Here's what we're going to eat. Or cool uncle <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the local food's better than the crap we normally get. So here, go ahead and eat. If we're not going to eat something, where else are we going to get any energy to kill people? Well, like, it's also like a very, like, anime thing. It was like, I have to eat all this food because I'm such a good fighter. So I say, Kira, you're a Saiyan, right? (laughs) You have a huge appetite. I just realized Saiyans need all that food because it takes a hell of a lot of energy to grow your hair, (laughs) to turn your hair yellow, to forcibly (laughs) dye it. So I talk about Cable all the time and how I love his invention because Wolverine and the Punisher were the two most popular characters at Marvel. So Rob Liefeld made a guy with a bigger gun than the Punisher who always carried at least seven knives. (laughs) I have recently found out the reason Goku's hair turns gold when he's Super Saiyan is that Akira Toriyama only had one assistant. For his art, and who spent most of his time drawing in Goku's black hair. So they realized <laughs> if he made him blonde, it would make him look stronger all of a sudden, and they wouldn't have the color in the hair anymore, which might be my new favorite thing. <laughs> Why wouldn't they have had to color his hair anymore? Manga is black and white. Yeah, so in order to portray yellow, oh, it's just not colored in. I, I, yeah, I, I got that. For, for whatever reason, I was just. I was just thinking of the anime. I was thinking of the anime, that's why. So Moo's like, yeah, you need to eat all that. Here, it's great with yogurt sauce. And so Kira has one of those stress flashbacks, too. And it's great with yogurt sauce. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, what did I do? And my animation is suddenly kind of bad. <laughs> and there's like, oh no, the Desert Tiger just said the same thing. I love how Moo just kind of shrugs it off and goes, he's got good taste. Moo and Sexy Rock and Roll are such <laughs> similar characters, it's weird that they never intersect. Yep. Well, and then he's like, don't know too much about your opponent. It'll make him more difficult to kill. And then Kira has a flashback to Atherin. And it's like, oh, all this I get time, it now. that's what the problem's been. <laughs> okay. See, I have a more charitable interpretation of him being like, yeah, that's right. I know that from experience. Because while Atherin told Black Crusade, hey, that's my friend, I don't know that Kira's ever brought it up. I don't think he has, no. Clearly, that's what's supposed to be implied here. but Because like... <laughs> right after he has his little flashback, presumably an alert goes up. And yeah. the animation for when that alert goes up is really jarringly awkward as compared to everything else we've seen so far. 
And really quick, we have this pause on this frame. Is Notaro's hair always that color? Um, I think it depends on the light. I think it's that color when she's on the bridge because of the way the alert lights and... Yeah, it looks green here. It's definitely supposed to be a black brown. Okay. I think, yeah, it's just the lighting. It's weird here. Because when she's not aboard the ship, it, it does appear black. Okay, that's what I thought. When she's not specifically in the BDC. That's what I've always pictured this as, is the ship's BDC, but I guess it would usually be in a different spot. CIC is what it's called. It's referred to, and that is the term on aircraft characters. Uh, air, aircraft uh, characters. Aircraft carriers. I can't think of exactly what that, uh, what that is. I can't remember what it stands for. I looked it up once. Whatever's announcing Battle Direction Center, which would be something... Yeah, it deserves a similar... Something. It's Command Information Center, I think, is CIC. I was probably thinking of it because it reminds me a lot of David Drake's Lieutenant Leary series. All right, so they have something weird coming up, and they notice somehow all the landmines they were planning to use as cover have blown up. That's never really explained. Yeah, either. they really need a you activated my trap card part where, like, Andrew Walfelt earlier said that, oh, if I was in their shoes, I'd do the same thing. So if it just revealed he had a plan for that and had a way to get rid of the landmines all of a sudden, that would go a long way. You only need, like, one line of dialogue. I actually kind of like the way they did it here because it raises the question of, how exactly did he figure that out? And it kind of goes with his laid back but then character they never explained of it. It kind of goes with the laid back nature of his character of like he had a plan. He knew what he was going to do, but he didn't exactly share his plan with everybody else. Yeah, but it would have been nice for like the viewer if like on the battle deck, they're like, aha, Walfold's plan to do the blank yeah, succeeded. Even my, my strategy worked like a charm or him like making fun of Isaac. I guess. But now they can't use the landmines. But he's not in range of attacking yet, so. Then we get this shot that we get see a lot with the two Zoots on top of the Lessips. So another question, what do you think of artillery mobile suits? Um, no, I'm okay with that. I like the gun tank. It's kind of a waste. One artillery piece would probably be a lot cheaper to produce. But he can move it a lot more easily because it has its own mobility. I like it in some respects. I really don't like it when you have these big battleships involved because why it's kind of cool to just see them standing on top acting as an extra cannon. Also, like the battleship could just do that. Yeah, that is true. It doesn't really add to the stakes. I do like it. Like if Gundam was a mobile tactics game, I would want those pieces. Because Although that's probably extra. why Walcott was so disappointed with him, because it's like, we've already got all these guns, why do we need more guns? That would actually explain why he's disappointed with getting artillery in place. I don't super care for it, but thinking about it, the mobile suits have a lot of things going for them just in general over a standardized artillery piece, even if it is a mobile artillery piece. I yep. like it a lot when you have an unarmed carrier, like the Peace Million and Gundam Wing, or just if you're like, we're going to send this small carrier without many guns on it. It makes sense to have some artillery pieces in that. But when you've got a fully-fledged battleship that is armed to the teeth on its own, it really doesn't need more guns. Yeah, unless you're going to like deploy something as a sniper from a different direction, which is ultra-interesting, which is why I kind of like the buster. Oh, but... wait a minute. Hang on. I'm totally wrong. You can never have too many guns. More <laughs> guns! <laughs> All right. I just wanted to talk about that as well. More guns. I do really like that they have attack copters as part of their force because it makes the battlefield feel more diverse and gives the Vulcans something to do, even though they don't really accomplish much, but make the Archangel look strong. But that is also kind of cool, I think. So then we have Mu and Kira in the pilot bay, and this is kind of a weird way to reveal that the Sky Graspers can mount the striker packs. Yeah, it's not really well explained through this dialogue. I it's kind of implied. I thought when they first showed up on the ship, they mentioned that the, uh, yeah, they the Sky Graspers the can earlier. take the, the packs on board. Yeah, but they present it more as that they can resupply the strike sort of situation. And basically, Moose just like, okay, put the sword on one and the gun on the other because it's faster for me to switch planes than for you to switch equipment. 
Which He's not wrong, great, but yes. Based on uh, how long we've seen it takes to equip this strike. Well, I mean, they have to go pick up all the pieces he left everywhere. Well, right? presumably if he grounded the plane on board, they would have to remove the packs from the actual planes, then put the new packs on. It would also make sense that if I get shot down, I can grab a new plane. And that too. So then he looks at Kira and is like, you know what? The Resistance people in their Jeeps kind of suck. We have to do this on our own. Yeah, and Kira's like, yep, you're right. They're not wrong. Yeah. They have RPGs. But then I like Moo, unlike uh, Natarl, who is all negative reinforcement. He's like, oh, but you're pretty cool. You'll probably be great. Kind of sensing that what Kira needs is a pick-me-up. Moo is the only commander with interpersonal skills on this ship. <laughs> Maru has inter- has too much interpersonal skill. That's the problem. She th- she, I would say she lacks interpersonal skills. She has a lot of caring and feeling, but we don't see her do much in the way of... Good negotiations or good crew relationship stuff. That's because they're not technically XO, but really the XO of the ship does all that. That's his job. (laughs) So then they're about to get ready and Kira's like, hey, Moo, wait, have you ever heard of a Berserker? He's like, yeah, I play one in D- I mean, uh, a Berserker. (laughs) That's a, that's a old Norse thing. (laughs) Yeah. They like have rage twice per day. That makes them fight better. He's like, yeah, normally they're cool dudes who discover Greenland, but when they get mad, they become real good at fighting. And Kira's like, I get real good at fighting sometimes. <laughs> For some reason, he doesn't like this. But you don't go into battle naked or wearing a bear pelt, so you can't be a berserker. <laughs> Muthlog is like, wow, why did I just tell you this right before the fight started? What's it about? And he's like, ah, nothing. I'm a teenager. I can't tell you my feelings. <laughs> but as they get in their ships, the attack choppers show up. We know those aren't important pieces, though, because we don't see anyone on board one. We also see some Bakus launching. It really makes the Archangel feel outnumbered, since they have five Bakus, these Zayuts, a bunch of choppers, and they've just got the plane, the strike, and a couple jeeps. And also the Archangel, which I guess you shouldn't discount. I was going to say, the Archangel's huge, so that helps. And it has the Lohengrin. True, and which like they lots don't of use. guns. So then we get a full launch sequence for the Skygrasper. It's pretty cool. I really like it with the launcher pack in particular. Yeah, I really do. My model has one on it. I was trying to think. Initially, I thought it reminded me of a Stuka from Battletech, but it's uh, actually a little bit too aerodynamic for that. (laughs) So then we see the strike loaded up with the ale, and Rock's like, you sure you want that one? And he's like, well, Moo already left with the gun. And also, mobility is more important against desert lions than (laughs) firepower. And Moo already also has the sword loaded (laughs) onto the other one. The only pack left for Kira is the Ale Striker. We could have taken the nothing. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I've got a couple of knives. Uh, You can take the gun and the shield without a pack. Although the launch sequence is kind of cut off in a strange way, I think. It's just like they lost a second of animation. But we, like I said, we get to see the Vulcan guns used to tear up a helicopter. So I like that. One of the only times in Gundam history in which the Vulcans Vulcans have done anything. anything. See, it's pretty good about using them. We also see the Archangel's anti-air guns doing a pretty good job at taking out the copters. And then we get a gratuitous boob bounce as the ship takes a hit. Which at least means the copters are doing something. They feel like an extra piece of the battle, which I like. This is, like I said, not my favorite fight, but it feels like a really dynamic battle with a lot going on. It just kind of feels like it maybe should be a bit more overwhelming for the Archangel, to me anyway. It also, yeah, the the Archangel really, because they're outnumbered so badly, it really does prove that the Archangel is far more capable than we've been led to believe up to this point. Since they mostly spend their time running. Although, to be fair, before they were not supplied. They got fully supplied when they met the fleet, and they haven't really used much of that. Yeah, that's one thing I kind of like, because up to this point, the Archangel has been this like super prototype, or supposedly a powerful ship that we've never gotten to really see what it can do. So it finally gets a chance to show basically strut its stuff and also moo is good in a jet he gets to shoot down some copters with the jets just regular guns because as you know from playing advanced wars jets are good against copters yep 
and then we cut to commercial on Kira confirming there are in fact five Bakus. Hey guys, it's Jeremy again. Sorry this episode is a little bit late, but I hope the fact that it's our longest yet, or at least I'm pretty sure it's our longest yet, helps make up for that. As always, you can find our older episodes at lastpodcast.com, as well as our mobile suit ranking list. And you can leave comments and find our Discord there. And please do so. Tyler and I have something to talk about in these mid-segments. We'd really like to get your impressions of Ron Baral and how he compares... I'm sorry. We'd really like to get your impressions of Andrew Waltfelt and how he compares to Ron Baral from the original Gundam. As well as if you like this arc, since I was so shaky on it when we were watching it, even though now that we've finished reading... Uh, we've finished, I really, really like this part. You can also email us at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com or follow us on Twitter at LTOV Gundam, even though I need to be better about posting there. All right, so that about does it for this week, I think. I hope you're enjoying the episode, and please, if you have any comments, any questions, send them along. All right, we'll let you get back to it. Bye. The fight's getting really tense at this point because we're seeing all the odds stacked up against the Archangel, and then just sudden break. like. There's not a fade out to break or like a dramatic. Oh no! It seems like a weird place to cut it. <laughs> I really like the gauze packs on. That's what I constantly think. I think they're actually supposed to be energy weapons on the back of the bukus. Yellow means physical shells in I, Gundam, and that's shorthand. So those are basically gauze rounds. I would say like railguns or that's that's what a gauze rifle. But pretty is. much, yeah. That that is what a gauze rifle. I'm is sorry, a, a gauss rifle because oh. a gauze rifle fires. It, it's go fuck yourself. But yeah, they're basically those kind of magnetic rail rifles. Yeah. I really like that kind of appearance, especially on something like that. You can hit and fade with something that hits hard. It makes them seem like they can be artillery if they need to be, which is cool. It seems like it's a good main weapon, whereas the the missiles don't really do much and the beam sabers are just kind of weird on them. And generally that kind of railgun is not a good artillery weapon because it goes in a straight line real well, but it does not have a tendency to drop. Fair. So we get that piece of the Zoots on top of the Lessips again when we come back from the eye catch. And then we cut to our sexy Rambaral and his wife in sexy Rambaral's awesome tiger striped pilot suit. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. In front of his command suit. Is his actually a Baku or is it's it a something? Lego. Lego? I've always pronounced it Legao because <laughs> there's a W in there, but the dub said Lego, and the dub is usually pretty good about pronouncing so, it the right same way as the Japanese. So really quick, what is the actual difference between this and There are Baku? a few things. For one, its weapons on its back actually are beams instead of... It's oh yeah, that's true. It uses them a lot. I should. It's, it's also a two-seater. It's a two-seater, it's probably heavier than the Bakus, and it's probably got a uh, more sophisticated command and control system on board. And I assume it's faster, although we never see that. Since it's his, I'm presuming that it's a uh, got the kind of command software that he would need to actually run the battle from on board. So Daffy Duck, I mean Izak, marches up <laughs> to Sexy Rambaral and is like, why are we just sitting on top of the Alessips being artillery pieces? That's dumb. Jeremy keeps complaining about it. And he's like, does Low Crusade just let you object to all your orders? And they're like, well, actually, yes. He's like, so we have more experience fighting the strike. And then uh, Aisha, Sexy Rambo's Rolls life, suddenly gets a personality where she's like, losing experience, right? Or in the English dub, losing doesn't count, <laughs> which is pretty great. But uh, and then uh, Sexy Rambo Roll has a more tactical, uh, you know, Bakus are awesome in the desert and can move around and yours can't because you suck. Again, that's what I really like about the way he phrases it is that Bakus are fast. That's yeah. kind of their thing. They're fast. And they're appropriate for the terrain. And they're they're basically strike systems. They hit hard, hit fast, and then get away. Yeah. Whereas 
their suits are more designed for slugging matches, which is not what they're planning on doing. Yeah. What's weird about this, though, is Diarca, like, physically pulls Izak away from the conversation. He's like, it's cool. We're cool. We're all cool here. I'm like, why didn't he stop him from having the conversation in the first place? Is that my that question. is a good question, but the only satisfying answer is then it's not a dramatic scene, right? Or maybe Izak didn't tell him what he was going to do, and <laughs> or- he's, like, coming after him to... My explanation is that Diarca's like, don't worry, we can be subversive later. Yeah. So I, maybe he wanted to see how the conversation I, would play out first. I kind of thought it was along that kind of a line. He wanted to see if Waltfeld would let them head out. But also, Diarca knows Izak and knows that Izak would just stew if he didn't at least have a chance to say something. Or he would go out and do it anyway if he didn't have an explicit order to the contrary. Or maybe Diarca wanted to do it but didn't want to take the heat for it. But he knew Izak would do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I complained about Diarca not having much personality early on. This is one of the first places where we really get to see it shine. Because he pulls Izak away. But then as they're walking away, he's like, don't worry. Fights get messy. We'll have a chance. Which is cool. He, get, he gets to be subversive, like you said. So, like we said, the Lego, his ship is a two-seater. His wife sort of takes the guns, and he has more of a piloting command role. His helmet, though, with the teeth on the top of it, looks it's so It's a Power good. Rangers helmet. It's <laughs> it the is. best. I really like his helmet because it harkens, in a way, back to the uh, like World War II uh, tomahawk and the shark teeth on the front of the planes. Yeah, and like Shar is the red comet because of the Red Baron in World War One. It's very on theme. So then we just see Kira destroying the Bakus. People who don't like Gundam Seed, one of their criticisms is that the minions kind of go down like paper. And I actually really like this scene. We get a lot of cool shots of Bakus getting destroyed. But whereas before, Waltfeld was very concerned about his troops and seemed to know them by name, even if we didn't. They're just kind of cannon fodder here. I do really like the way we get to see that first one destroyed, though, where it like jumps on top of its head. And, like, just execution I, shots it. I actually think the reason why is Waltfeld seems like the kind of commander who's very concerned about his troops and won't pit them in a place where it isn't necessary, but, but is also... when it's necessary. Yeah, understands when it's necessary to put his troops on the line and realize that this is a point where he needs to put them on the line. Well, I was actually thinking it was and, weird that he was taking the field, but maybe he's doing so out of concern for his troops. Because right? he knows his, his armor, his equipment is a heavier and more well-suited piece of equipment to the fight with the strike. And I suppose this is the first time we really get to see the strike and the Archangel doing what they're supposed to, because before they've been up against the other Gundams and they've been really down on the map, I guess this is what the strike and Archangel were designed to do, even if they were designed to have a bit more backup. And like you said, the Bakus are kind of hit and run things. The Ale Strike has that, but it's also just a more powerful machine that can ignore the Baku's attacks. It's so. a machine designed for a stand-up fight that can keep up with the harassment units. And it's got a very talented pilot. Yeah, and I mean, that combination never goes well for those harassers. So yeah, he just jumps on one, stomps on it, and shoots it down. Uh, meanwhile, there's some cool techno babble on the Archangel. Their uh, Vulcan temperature is going up too high. Natara wants to use the Lohengrin, but... Maru kind of shoots her down because there's a chance it could contaminate the Earth. I'm not sure exactly what that would do, if it would be like similar to a nuclear blast. That's or... all. That's always been my assumption, based on what the Lohengrin, you know, looks like. It seems like one of those situations of like a directed nuclear blast. And later they will use it specifically to shoot down air particles so they can move faster. So Yeah, it looks like it's firing just like ionized gamma radiation. So, <laughs> But Nataral does not like being second-guessed, even by her superior officer. Clearly their relationship is getting more strained. That's because Nataro knows her shit. Maru does not. She was a mechanic. So Kigali sees some of her dumb friends get blown up because her friends are in a jeep fighting Gundams <laughs> and helicopters. 
Thankfully, she lives because she has main character powers. She also has Brambo next to her, driving. Moo shoots down one of the Zoots with the big cannon from the launcher strike, which is pretty cool. That is the first time I think uh, Moo has scored a confirmed kill on a mobile suit in this series. <laughs> on a mobile suit, yes. Well, he shot down one of the gins in the first episode. Did he? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he did. And everyone's like, I would expect no less from the whatever the hell his, the Hawk of Endymion. The Hawk of Endymion. And he put a hole in the uh, one of the other ships when he shot that thing down. Because it caused the other battleship to start smoking yeah. after he hit it. But the Desert Tiger's trap card is about to be played because the Henry Carter is getting a position behind them and the Archangel didn't notice them. Which it makes uh, Andrew Walfelt seem like a competent commander, at least, getting this surround. We then see Kira get to do the basic draw your sword and kill us thing shot, which is always cool. But then we get an even cooler one where he then follows the momentum by throwing the beam saber into a Baku and shooting it like, feel like straight through the main camera. I feel like the shooting it is then unnecessary, but... It looks like he just got the camera. It, it was a too perfect of a shot. Also, also, I didn't realize that his beam saber was, like, in the camera at first, because I forgot the Bakus had the stupid beam sabers on the side of their heads that don't do anything. They so. would be really good for, like, strafing either a, one of those big land carriers we were talking about or a base. That's my assumption is what they're designed to do. But why would or they be tanks? on all the time? They take so they much They turn energy. on and off. We see them with them off. Yeah, they they aren't on all the time. They well in this fight though, they're just like on that's, all the time. Well, that's because if you think about it, a lot of these battles wouldn't last that long. If they're going to run low on ammunition or energy, they're you, probably screwed anyway. <laughs> well, you would head back to the carrier, get resupplied, and head back out. So now Kira's taking down three out of five Bakus. One shoots his missiles, and he just ducks them. So he tries the rail guns, but Kira just kicks his head off, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and then shoots in the back for good measure. <laughs> like I said, there's lots of cool animation that's not stock at all. That they, I feel like they did a real good job figuring out what's a cool way to destroy one of these tiger things. It still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that none of these things seem to have ejection seats on them. Yeah, that's fair. Because like that one right there where he kicks its head off and then shoots it in the back. That's like the perfect time for the pilot to eject. You'd have to react pretty fast, though. It's not impossible, certainly. If you had an eject, you would be better off. So then Kara flashes back to Andrew Walfelt talking about how do you win a war? Is it when you kill all your enemies? Even though he's doing very well, it's clearly causing stress on him. He's breathing heavily. And then the Archangel gets attacked from the rear. Somehow, though, two of those missiles miss a target moving in a straight line. How do they do that? Uh, Long range? ECM systems are active. Jamming guidance. But one of them hits. I just, I don't know. It seems. Uh, look at how he the rolled Bakus... three 20-sided dice. He got a five, a seven, and a 12. <laughs> well, if the missiles are in firing in sequence, it's entirely possible that the ones on the outside weren't end up lined up. Air resistance, interference from the uh, engines. I think you're giving them too much credit. I think they're just crappy shots. <laughs> could also be that. You asked how could they have missed a target going in a straight line. I'm giving you reasons how they could have missed a target in a straight line. So now the music goes dramatic as they are now sort of flanked by these battleships. We get a dramatic shot of it, like, appearing out from behind a rock and firing its main cannon. And Andrew Waltfeld in his Lego shows up to... Prevent Kira from helping? Yeah, basically tie up Kira so he risks attack his opportunity if he tries to leave. And he now has a better equipment, if not a, a, quite a Gundam, than he had the first time. The Archangel is taking fire, but it doesn't seem to be doing too much damage. Maru's breasts aren't even bouncing. And somehow the Archangel gets stuck on something. I'm not even really sure what it is. It looks like An something that you'd find maybe? on the Death Star sticking out. That's, <laughs> I, I'm with Tyler. It looks like a... Uh... It actually looks like an oil refinery of some kind. I kind of wish the Archangel was somehow forced to land here, because a lot of stuff would make more sense to me. 
instead of yeah, it getting stuck on something, it looks like it should just be able to plow straight through that thing. Yeah, and then in a few moments, we're going to find out that their wing is stuck, I guess. I don't. Yeah. So anyway, Kigali is like, oh, they're going to get shut down from this other thing. And she jumps out of her Jeep while Rambo's like, no, Kigali, off, oh, smoke. And she runs towards the Archangel. And it would also make sense how she gets on the Archangel if it had had to land. Instead of her like, just kind she of... she climb that oil tower? She <laughs> climbs it really fast. But yeah, you can see here the Lego's beams are green, which means they are yeah. actually beam weapons. As Kira and Walt Felt are trying to shoot each other, kind of circle strafing each other. Although one of those shots clearly hit just then, and then it's like, oh, no, no, never mind. So that it probably also has better armor then, like his shield there. It's also, it's entirely possible. It's also possible it's got some kind of afterburner. <laughs> well, we've seen it move really fast in quick bursts already. That's fair. It just looked like it hit, like it had the splash. I, although I, I'm with I'm with Jeremy. It's probably just got heavier armor. So we cut inside, and Sexy Rambo's wife Aisha is like, "Oh man, he is good." And he's like, "Wow, he was even better when he was in Berserk mode." But he's not doing that. I can tell. And I should comment on him being happy, which we clearly saw the last time that he fought that he was super into it. Walt Feld asks, "You think he'll surrender?" And she very sagely says, "No." So what do we think of two-seater mobile suits like um, this one? Well, first off, okay, first in the dub, she doesn't say just no. She says not a chance. There are lots of things. I actually prefer her lines in the original. I think it they got changed mostly to fit her lip flaps. Well, entirely possible. I just, I like the not a chance instead of just no. Maybe it's the delivery. You're not hearing the Japanese. I really like that because it's a yeah. very flat no. It's basically <laughs> the same effect. Yeah. Because it's kind of a flat, not a chance in the English one as well, but it just has like more inflection of kind of the resigned, we got to do this. So back to two-seater mobile suits. What do we think of those? Actually, I kind of like them as a command unit um, because just in general, it lets the commander concentrate on what he's doing. While um, delegating tasks. While delegating some of the tasks, which can improve the efficiency, especially if you've got a tag team that are good with each other. It's the same concept behind two-seater fighter craft, like the uh, Phantom. Yeah, I mean, there are reasons they exist in reality. So I suppose I like them as a concept, but it gets kind of weird to me. I start thinking, why aren't all mobile suits two-seaters once you introduce one? (laughs) Like, it seems like it would be much easier to have a pilot-gunner situation. Pilot dynamics. It takes more pilots to pilot two-seater mobile suits than it does (laughs) to pilot single-seater. So you can put twice as many mobile suits in the field if you're piloted based on pilots. That's and we know that the uh, Zaft forces are not exactly swimming in population density. That's true. There's also a little bit of, I guess thematically there's a translation, like mobile suits are human-shaped for a reason, and it's weird to have two people operate in human. This <laughs> isn't Pacific Rim. It makes a lot more sense for the Baku. Yeah, it, like the Baku is less humanoid, so we can <sighs> get away with having multiple people in it. All right, so this is one of the few stock shots is of the strike just shooting its beam rifle from head-on. They've changed the background, but... We saw that shot a lot when it was fighting in space. But Andrew Waltfeld manages to dodge. It also has those boosters, so it can go these nice big jumps. It almost looks like it's And change direction in midair. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a pretty cool shot of Kira fending off the beam sabers with his shield. And then he gets wheel punched in the face by one of the Baku- or the Lagao's treads. Yeah, and oh no, he's running low on power. And just some animation comments. They do a pretty good job of remembering Kira is down a beam saber. There are a few shots, one that really sticks out, where they forget, and he's animated with two of them. But for the most part, they do a good job of having one missing and one still there. I always like little touches like that. Yeah, I watched really closely this morning to see when they've forgotten, when they remembered, because there's one super jarring bit that I will point out, so you'll always see it forever. So the Archangel starts firing missiles, counterattacking, 
it's armed to the teeth, and we get a nice montage of it shooting all its missiles. But they're managed to shoot them down because there are like four mobile suits on that thing. And they notice the duel and the buster are there, which the show kind of tries to play as like a dramatic turn disadvantage. But we as the audience already know they're there, so doesn't work super well. And that they're basically consigned to sitting on the deck. And this is also where we find out they're stuck somehow. And then they get unstuck somehow later. So then Kigali jumps into the pilot seat and Murdoch is terrible at stopping people from stealing stuff because he's a mechanic, not a security man, damn it. So she takes the other plane. And he's like, well, we better open the hatch because otherwise she's going to ruin my ship. So she doesn't even have a flight helmet or anything. <laughs> she's got that cool military outfit. I like his kids these days. Yeah, I like, I like his line of kids these days. Although, to be fair, she's kind of got a point. Yeah. They, they can't really uh, afford to afford have it, to have sitting, it sitting on the deck. And I do like as if you get shot down, I'll never forgive you. That's a pretty nice touch. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I don't really have an option here, but don't ruin my stuff. Well, or even like the reason I don't want you to take it is because I don't want you to get hurt, not because I don't <laughs> agree with you. Yeah. And also, he already knows that Kigali's the best at training simulator. Well, at that point, he really doesn't have any options. She's already got the thing locked down. <laughs> Well, she's already got the hatch That's closed true. and is got the thing fired up. He's, he can't do much. So Millie is in the set. She's like, the Skyraster took off. And Daryl's like, huh? And, and Moose like, huh? Who's flying it? And Millie's like, golly. And Moose's like, oh, yeah, no, she's cool. So, yeah, they put a sword on a plane. And he's like, hey, don't get cocky, kid. Yeah. Well, Moo also knows they don't have a shore. So he's pretty laid back. But Dacosta's like, oh, man, this was an error of our intelligence. And here we get that shine I was alluding to earlier, where Diarca can't hit anything because of the dispersion in the atmosphere, which Kira solved with some quick computer hacking. But it's clearly stymieing Diarca and Izak, which... And then Izak jumps off the ship and can't walk, which Kira also <laughs> solved pretty quickly. But they're kind of going into this plot that Kira is really talented even for a coordinator, which it kind of needs for him to be as adept as he's being here. Walfelt basically just said that. This is helping to show it a lot better. Yeah, Walfelt figured it out pretty fast that Kira was something special, whereas everybody else has just been kind of, he can't be that good. Or he's just a coordinator. Of course they're awesome. Well, I meant uh, the Le Creuset team. Yeah, well, like, they think he can't he's a be natural, that awesome. except for Athard. Mm -hmm. so, and, uh, well, Le Creuset knows he's not a uh, coordinator. True, true. So Walfelt continues circle strafing Kira, being like, you're going <laughs> to run out of power eventually. I actually really like that because it shows that Waltfeld, after like two encounters with the strike, has already figured out how to beat it on his own, which is to use his advantages to and the best effect. He's Whereas using the, his immortality to his well, advantage. The Le Creuset team with four machines didn't manage to uh, cripple Kira quite as badly as Waltfeld is on his own. So it really is showing how good Waltfeld is in both as a pilot and as a tactician. Meanwhile, speaking of the Crusade team, Isaac is stomping around in the desert, so, sinking, being like, what is sand? So I didn't realize <laughs> How does I sand? At first year, and given the posture that it's in, I thought he was sneaking up on the <laughs> battle between them. How does I, I roll sand? I stealth in my giant robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is hilarious. It would make sense he's not familiar with sand, though. He's from space. I don't think yeah. any of the colonies and, simulated deserts. And Walfelt <laughs> pointed out specifically that the Le Crusade team had no experience in atmosphere, yeah, regardless of what they were standing on. Good guy Moo shoots down a copter that's chasing after Kigali. And then she does the thing that the sword plane does in every video game because it's the one thing it can do, which is it launches the grappling hook to like swing around the ship and cut some of its cannons off, which is cool. It is completely silly, but I absolutely love <laughs> the existence of this ship. The sword is supposed to be designed for taking out battleships. 
So here we kind of get to see it. I love it, Sword it, Fighter. I'm sorry. It, it, I, I kind of do too. I, I'm making fun of it out of love. It does have like machine guns too, though, right? So it, it's, it's also got, got a big, gun on top. big it's turret. Got machine guns. It's got <laughs> missiles. It's got all the things the plane normally has. I had a big sword and a grappling hook. How is it compensating for the extra weight of that sword? Uh, boost. Yes. Yeah, because, because the boost. Because moves make sense because they put one pack on one side and the other part of the pack on the, the other shield, side. The shield, the like boomerang thing, is on the other side. You, if you look at it there, it's kind of okay. coming up there. Yeah, no, I, I see just, it now. The ship never figures out how to throw the boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. It's also you just, just drop it on things. <laughs> presumably, that's that's a some kind of heavy fighter. Like it's physically quite a heavy. But you would ship, want it to be balanced. So. Is the thing. Yeah, that's really a big thing. Like if. And it's kind of near the end. Depends of the on how counterweighted the other side of the yeah. craft is. Because that's also the same offside that the launcher strike is. The heavy energy pack is on one side, like, and then the gun, which is actually going to be lighter than the actual heavy power pack, is on the other side. Like I said, I have a model of the Sky Grasper that has the launcher pack, and I can tell you, there are some poses you can't do because that gun will not balance in <laughs> some ways. So yeah, Kigali's like, yeah, I'm awesome, take that. And then they shoot missiles at her. They don't hit her, they hit near her, and she's shot down. Yeah, like it throws her out of alignment or something, and she's like, well, shit. But she still manages to accomplish something, so that's good. Then the Arca takes a pot shot at the Archangel, and we see it destroying that, like, oil rig, and then they're free. So they're, like, trying to say that, like, the Arca is such a bad shot, he kind of makes the situation worse, but I don't think it'd get around super good, because, Tyler, you couldn't even remember how they got out. Yep. I just thought he missed. And here, Walt felt lampshades. I have shot that Archangel so many times. How many hit points does it have? <laughs> it even got stuck and couldn't do anything. I, I also kind of like that because for the entire time we've been looking at this, Walt Feld has basically been total control. But now the uh, Archangel's... Turning. He's like, I had a grapple like, bonus. Come he's on. like underestimating the Archangel itself, which kind of is a little bit of foreshadowing even in this episode. That's true. So the Archangel shoots the Godfreeds at the uh, one of the ships. I think it's the Henry Carter. Blows the hell out of one of the uh, Zoots. I think it's the Lessups. It is the Lessups. You're right. Earlier they pointed out that the, uh, the two Gundams were on the Lessups. Right. I was just thinking that it can't be because the cost is on that, but it doesn't get destroyed. Just that Zoot and a bunch of the guns. Diarca just barely makes it out of the way of his new nemesis, the Godfreeds. <laughs> <laughs> they will be back for him. <laughs> and now he's sinking in the desert. And Kigali's on a sand dune, like, yeah, serves you right, as Rambo runs up to her. How we found her, I'm not entirely sure. Well, but... he probably saw where the jet landed. Meanwhile, Kira finally gets a good shot on Waltfelt and takes off one of his limbs, I guess. One of the forearms. And Waltfelt is tilted. Yes. And I just like, calm down or we'll lose. He's like, I know. But he manages to disarm Kira and destroy his gun. And here's the shot I'm talking about. Because then they do the cool thing where they pass each other and uh, stab each other with their swords. But the sword that Kira grabs is still there in the animation as he's doing it the entire time. <laughs> which is just too bad because it's such a cool shot. Although it looks like he's missing the other one that he didn't No, they, around, they got so. that part. But the problem is that he pulled the one that he are, that he did have. And you see yeah. but they, cross body. But, but they, they didn't they act don't animate it leaving. And I mean, that's kind of a cool uh, cross body because he always draws this one from the same side but never really goes all the way across to grab the other so the other saber, because honestly, it'd be a little awkward to grab for it. But yeah. here he doesn't have a choice, because yeah. he's already used that one. I don't think this shot that you paused on is actually in the original It might not be. It's a, it's a real quick shot. So. But it's a really cool shot of... Do they name the that? The Valiants? the Valiants. A really cool shot of the Valiants firing. And those are rail guns, right? Yes. Be because yellow. Yes. <laughs> I'm picking up on this I, finally. I didn't even notice that before. I didn't know that was the, the uh, shorthand. 
I figured it out. I didn't read it anywhere. I just figured out, hey, the most actually from the freedom, because it's hip guns are rail guns, and those are yellow, and the ah. Vulcans are yellow, and I realized, wait, all shells are yellow. <laughs> Even if they're animated like beams, which is cool, shorthand. So they get a shot on, I think this is the Henry Carter, and it's blowing up. <laughs> we get DR guns through the... I like, love how he's waddling. <laughs> yeah. And the Jeeps are just pestering poor Izak. Poor upset emo Izak. Can't catch a break. The cost is like, ah, oh, crap, my ship is all blowed up. And the Lego doesn't have a leg as it's staring down with Kira. He doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's but got he's three got, legs to stand on. He's got the same on. power alert as before. And Walt Felt orders the Costa to retreat, go back to... Uh, where was their command? He's going to say it in a second. So I wanted to point out that... Banadia. Uh, Walfeld has been blasting buster shots so many times, and it's the strike that's running out of battery? Because, like... The, the strike has the phase armor that's constantly... The armor on. is draining the battery heavier than the... He's just fired so many shots. Kira's like, probably fired about the same amount, though. They're trading fire pretty well. That is true. I feel like Kira's, Kira's just getting hit and blocking shots. them with the shield, whereas the Legao is dodging out of the way. He's like, yeah, go to Banadia, get in touch with Gibraltar, tell her we suck. Tell her we suck, tell them we suck. He also tells his wife to escape, and she said, I'd rather die, which is awesome. Although, I don't know why he doesn't retreat here. Like, because I know why. Pro- yes, Pride is a man, he's gotta fight, he's gotta do it. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. That's right, it's just like, normally he's a lot more level-headed than this. But so. we've seen him fight with Kira before, and he That's was like true. this too, right? He is also kind of berserker, and Kira assumes he's talking about Kira when he talks about the berserker thing, but I think we're supposed to think Walfeld's kind of talking about himself. Yeah, and I mean, before, when he fought with with Kira, he was kind of gauging him, and in this one, with all of his stuff, he's basically kind of made the decision, I'm taking this down, or he's taking me out. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, about him picking where his soldiers go out, it's the same thing here. It's just with him. It kind of goes to one of those awkward parts where we're not really sure if the characters are actually talking to each other or they're just talking themselves in ways that line up for conversation. But <laughs> I always presumed that it was over an open... They were actually talking to each, channel, each other over an open channel. It makes channel. it less awkward. So did I until we started doing this podcast, and then I noticed a lot of them are constructed, so they don't have to be that way. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not. I suspect it is, but... But he's like, hey, I'm going to win. You could just surrender. But Walt felt like Kira doesn't, there's no chance he'll do that. And we get another of those cool passes, and we see when the Lego goes away that he's cut off one of the Ale Strike's wings by it falling into the stand, which is cool. And Walt felt responds with, there's no clear rules for when and where to end a war. And that's when the power runs out of the strike, and his beam saber goes away. And suddenly, the tables have turned! But there's explosions on the Legao. It's missing a limb. It's got a big hole in it. It's smoking. It's, it's cannons are gone. Yeah. And so, Waltfeld begins to charge, and then Kira goes into berserk mode, activates Super Saiyan, throws away the shield, and grabs Chekhov's knife out of the hip. And they charge at each other, and he gets a stab in the center, doesn't really get hit himself, and apparently stabbed a very critical part, because the deactivates, and... Sexy Rumble Roll and his wife hug each other in the cockpit, and he was never heard from again. It's a shame. There's a big, nice nuclear mushroom cloud explosion, and we cut to Kira, who is despondent. And uh, I also I quite like the shot of the strike right after that, because it is banged up. Yep. It's dented, scratched. This is by far the most Kira has ever had to fight, but they've won. The Archangel is starting to make clear, and Andrew Walfold is gone. And Kira's angsting about it. Yeah, although I don't want to criticize it, because it's a really cool moment. That feels like the last thing the strike does, right? Like, that's the moment where the strike is either destroyed or the series is over. 
obviously it's neither of those things. But the moment where you're out of power, you have no weapons, and you go to the knife that was the crappy thing you had to start with, that's like the basic like circular storytelling, right? But I guess you can say that Gundam Seed has a lot more ideas to throw at us, so we're going to see more cool stuff. And they got one of the obvious things out of the way, kind of midway through the series. I kind of like that because that's also the first weapon he used to uh, wreck a mobile suit, but it wasn't actually the first weapon he used to kill somebody. Because that person escaped. And uh, Walt Feld was the first person that he actually knew. that knew. He killed? Well, not just that he killed, that died around him. Well, that, I said that he knew that he killed. He's killed people before. And, well, presumably he knew that he killed the people whose mobile suits he wrecked earlier, but the fact that well, I mean, uh, knew, he, he knew Andrew Waltfeld, not yeah. knew he knew he killed a guy. Yeah. So yeah, the first person that he killed that he knew. Yes, I think is the clearer way of saying that. That's what I was trying to say. That's I guess what I, I was trying to say as well. Um, that's a shame. I really liked Walfelt. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. But he's kind of the first. La Crusade is an overarching villain, and uh, Athern is really a secondary protagonist. So he's kind of the first real villain we have of an arc to kill. And I said I don't like this arc, but I kind of manufactured an arc that starts with them landing on Earth and goes up to where I start to like Gundam Seed. But really, there's an arc break in between that, and that's here. This is the end of the desert stuff. This is the end of Andrew Waltfelt. So what did we think of this sort of second arc? It's a bit shorter than the first one, but it's a lot more intense and a bit more focused, despite having a whole Atherin Hangs Out in Space episode. (laughs) I kind of like it, because while... Atherin isn't really involved. I think that's actually kind of important because here we don't have him and Atherin yelling at one another and angsting at each other. The stakes feel higher because of that, (laughs) frankly. Yeah, and people are getting killed even if we don't necessarily know them. Waltfeld feels like a genuine, you know, individual, whereas Le Crusade just kind of feels like your generic evil guy. Yeah, he feels mustache-twirly, right? Yeah. Um, And so I actually care when Waltfeld goes down and... He feels like the kind of guy who could legitimately be on either side if given the right opportunity, but he's a guy that cares about not only the people he's supposed to be in charge of, but the people who he's supposed to be, you know, kind of watching over and supervising as the occupying force. Jokingly, I called him Sexy Rambaral the entire time, and that's because he's Rambaral. But Rambaral is a great character, and Walt Felt is sort of like one of the good things out of that can come out of reboots, is you can take a really cool <laughs> character and give them a slightly different spin. Andrew Waltfeld isn't exactly Rambo Rall, and he's pretty much as good a character. But he's a different character, so now you have two really cool characters one of, instead of just one. One of my laments about this arc, though, is I kind of wish Rambo Rall, or uh, Waltfeld's wife, was in the arc a bit more. Like, obviously she, they had a personality in mind for her, but she didn't get to, like, Because she shows up much. once when Kira and Kigali basically get captured... And then she's his co-pilot. We don't really see her do anything else. Just imagine all the Three's Company moments they're going to have <laughs> with Takasa. I mean, that would have been awesome. It would have been great. I think that's place to Gundam Seed's strength, though, and we've talked about it a lot. It's really good at building characters. It can take characters from nothing, and in a couple of minutes, you really understand them, and you think they're really cool. Like, Aisha gets very little screen time, and we're like, oh, man, she was great. We want more of her. And I think that's something it's really good at. But this cast is so big already. <laughs> Just like Kira and all his friends is like as big as most anime casts. And then you have Atherin and all his supporting cast. You have the political Zaft stuff going on. Like one smaller now. You have Isaac's mom and name. One smaller <laughs> now. Smaller. Two smaller, yes. I mean, one of the things they did really well there with her specifically is there is so much meaning and character loaded into the one line of 
losing experience, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it's just like, such a snarky line. She doesn't have a wasted line. Like her, I'd rather die. Her, even her saying no to will Kira surrender. Like everything is character work for her, which is why this series is so good at the end of the day. <laughs> I appreciated this arc a lot more on this watch than I ever have before. It feels like it's the most copied from Gundam. Certainly we talked about that one episode on the meteor that just feels like a, a copy pasted a Gundam episode. This is the arc that feels like they just copy-pasted it. And that always sort of sat wrong with me, especially with Atherin being gone. But as its own individual piece, I do really like it. Yeah, I actually, having watched both, I actually think I like this one better than the original Gundam arc that this was copied from. Well, it's 30 years of experience later. Yeah. You've also got the whole thing with uh, Sai. you got more characters in Yeah. And they're good characters. The drama here is better than the Fraubo drama. (laughs) <laughs> Which does, it does exist, but like most of the dramatic problems in Gundam are Amuro is horny. I mean, that's, that's... And Bright needs to get a hand on his crew. So pretty good arc. I don't know if I like it as, far, as much as the first one or not. The first one had more heavy lifting to do. This one is just gravy, I guess. So that's going on its advantage. But this next arc is the one I really don't like as much, but I really like the ending of it. So I want to cheat and say <laughs> that it's good. This next arc kind of starts as copying Gundam stuff and then goes in an entirely different direction. Yes, I noticed the water mobile suits, which are the next in the original Gundam. Oh, no wait, I so. totally know how this one, how this next arc ends, depending on how you define the ending of this I, I arc. I think you know where I end it. So, I think I do. Is this the enough of an arc ending that we get a new theme song next? It's soon. The next theme song kind of bothers me because I originally watched this on Cartoon Network where they cut the theme songs out. So when I saw the theme songs on YouTube, they actually make a real good retelling of the series if you watch them in order. But this next one comes like 10 episodes too early. But it's pretty soon. It's Hmm. not right now, though. Okay. A couple more episodes. So yeah, it's time to do highlights, lowlights, all that stuff. Tyler, what's your high point of this episode? I mentioned this before we started recording, but that moment where uh, Andy and Aisha jump out of their seats to hug each other right before dying actually brought a tear to my eye when I was watching this. So and that's another thing. They're not just villains, right? Who you like, you don't feel good when they die. Just like Kira doesn't feel good when they die. And they don't scream when they die. They hug each other. They, they aren't related to uh, Wilhelm. Zach? I think it's got to be the whole flow of things because you basically have a three-part structure throughout the entire series. You start the fight, then the then the bad guys are winning the fight, then the, then good, the good guys, guys turn around and, yeah, and uh, swing things around. Right. Yeah, but yeah, they but do it. Shonen. It they, is drama. Yeah, yeah, it is storytelling, story right? But you they want to create some. They do oh, it cool. all the in villains one. Always win an act. They they do it all in one episode because you have where Walt Felt has the advantage with the flanking of the Henry Carter, and then the Archangel bringing its main guns into play into bear and showing that Walt Felt, while as good of a tactician as he is, underestimated just how tough that ship is. Fool! Yeah. I was holding back for the safety of the crowd. Our episode is running pretty long, but that's because there's not a wasted second in this episode. That's why the cuts are so awkward, is because it doesn't have time for transitions. Like, a lot of the episodes, like, they lead up to the cut fairly well, and this one is just like, they came back from the cut pretty well, but... Well, you know what our high points are. What's yours? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. You took some pretty good ones. I think Kira dismantling the Bakus, even though I kind of dislike it as a man, Kira seems real powerful thing... The Archangel hasn't really had a chance to crush a battle the way it does this time, and there's some real nice animation on Kira just taking those out. And actually, I really do like that moment, because him dismantling the Bakus easily reinforces just how good Walt Felt is. 
Oh, yeah, because he lasts so long against them. He 1v1s Kira. Yeah, that's true. This is very much a almost Dynasty Warriors show and that you take <laughs> out the grunts. Like, we, Zach and I would joke about the kill the br- grunts button. He doesn't have that yet. yet. So there aren't a lot of low points in th- this episode, but if we can find them. <laughs> Tyler, what's yours? Oh, can we come back to me so I have time to think about it? You have one, Zach? The Archangel's mystery hang-up. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I really wish they had landed because that would make more sense how Kigali got on. Like, there's not a good reason for them to land, but storytelling, you invent one. One of the easy ways to do it would be the Archangel has to set down in order to pick up some wounded to that- try and cover a... Uh, yeah, and then Natarl can be bad at Maru for doing that instead of not using the low and grin. Yeah, so they can ground the ship in order to assist some of the resistance wounded. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but I've been thinking about tragedy, and Gundam is a series that will just kill people because war sucks and people just die. But Natarl is a classically tragic character, and her tragic flaw is overfaith in the military command structure. Yeah. It's weird that she's second-guessing Maru here for what seems to be like a pretty reasonable order of no let's not do that different branches that's true that's kind of my guess maru is mechanic she's a lieutenant but she's a mechanic at the beginning of it whereas natarl is a line soldier so i have two low points but the one i think i'm gonna go with is that shot of the beam saber still being there because it noticed (laughs) and it made me watch that entire fight just pausing each time to see beam sabers got two there okay only one there okay only one there okay only one there why does he draw it and it's still there (laughs) oh the they truth did is, so good throughout most of it, but that that's a slow, dramatic shot. And The truth is, the strike has three, three beam, beam sabers. <laughs> there are two there. One is spring-loaded to appear <laughs> after it's been drawn. Well, I mean, that's the best place to draw it from. Now that I've had time to think about it, uh, check out his landmines. Yeah, that's what I, was, I was thinking as my other possibility. Um, because like they made a big deal out of them, and then they just poofed for basically no adequately explained reason. I, I can tell. than the writers forgetting about them, but... The GM didn't have a way for Walt Felt to uh, destroy them, so he just didn't explain it. All right, this episode is running long, but we got arguably three new mobile suits in it, and we haven't had any in a while, so I think we need to rank one. So, do we want to do the Zoot? Do we want to do the... Let's do the Lego, actually, because it doesn't show up again. The Command Bucket. You can see this list of mobile suits we've ranked from best to worst at our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com. It's been a while, so at the top we have the Launcher Strike. We like artillery. And at the bottom we have the Minestrel, which sucks. I don't even remember what that was. It's the ball. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Baku is pretty low. I thought it was really stupid at first, but the Legao is making me rethink that. So. Okay, so, I, I, so I, should we rank the Legao higher to compensate? I really, really it's like... than the Baku, right? I really like the Legao. How do we think it compares to the Duel? I like it more than the Duel. Uh, the it's duel, got a lot of character. The Duel is these acts, right? Yes. Yeah. I actually, I hate the color scheme on the duel. It's not great. <laughs> it's inspired by the original color scheme of the Gundam, which was supposed to look very military and sparse. And then they changed it to sell toys. How do we think it compares to the Mobius Zero, which is also a weirdly shaped thing? I yeah. like the funnels on the Mobius Zero, but I really like the concept of the Lugau, of yeah. a command raider, basically. Yeah, a heavily armored and armed raider. I like it. All right, what about the Blitz, which is the Arcus? I like the Legao. I like Um, the Blitz a bit more, I think. I really like that artillery angle. I like the different combinations of its guns. This is the point where I'm having a hard time deciding. Um, So clearly we've reached a line Oh, I messed up. The Blitz is not the Arcus. The Blitz is... um, Is that Nichols? It's Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, the Blitz is the stealth one. Okay. With the, like, shield missiles. and (laughs) I still like the Legao more. I don't remember the Blitz super well. It's like the Death Scythe, but without a Scythe. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I remembered it had the stealth thing, which is a cool element. I like its weapon, but it's not a great design. Yeah. How about the ale strike? Or the good old bread and butter. I don't think I like it quite as much as the ale strike, especially after this episode where it really got to I shine. I do, but that's because I like the kind of like high speed raider and the idea of a command unit. And I like that it's a two seater with a gunner. I do like that aspect, but I still like the ale more. It's just when I think of a Gundam, the ale is like, it's not the like stock. It's where the good ones start to me. And the thing that would put the little gal higher for me is the fact that it's piloted by Andrew Walfelt. But just based on the design alone, I don't think that's quite enough to put it over the Ale Strike for me. So we're going to put the Lagao at number six, above the Blitz and below the Ale Strike. Now, Sexy Rama Raw in a tiger suit, piloting the Ale Strike. (laughs) All right. So final thoughts on this episode. I mean, obviously it's a big one. It's nice and action-packed. But this series is really good about packing all its action together and making it real exciting. This definitely feels like they've been saving the budget up for it. But really, it's more that the show is popular and they're getting a budget. That'd do it. What are your thoughts, Tyler? This is your first time seeing it. You said you teared up a little bit. No, <laughs> just that particular scene. Like, that that's poignant. That's the thing Alex and I would do if we we're about to die. Oh, no. I liked it. it. It had some weak moments, but overall was well animated. Good action. It was tense the entire time. So, I approve. Zach? I really like this episode, and while I said I think it's my favorite, I think it is it is my favorite one-on-one fight for Kira, because you have somebody in a clearly inferior mobile suit pushing him to the absolute limit. Which is usually Char's thing, but Lacrosse doesn't really get that. And I mean, there are some fights later on that end up going heavier later on but nothing quite matches Waltfelt's not only skill in employing his suit's strengths against Kira but also managing a battle on top of it so I really like that aspect of this commander who's tactically brilliant and a gifted pilot and can keep both in his head while Although pushing point, this pilot to his limit he basically just said okay all the pieces are in motion to casa it's on you I'm going to go have a tiger fight. Yeah, I'm going to miss DaCosta because he's gone for a while. But DaCosta will return in the Avengers. Yeah, I quite like this episode, too. It's one of the best. It's definitely the best battle we've seen so far. I really like Kira dropping the shield at that Baku, but that's a moment. That's not a full battle like we get here. It's not my favorite, but that's more. I think we get some really good ones coming up. So, yeah, that about does it for this episode, I believe. Yeah, probably. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 21. The sea turns red. Thank you, Zach. I think that's what it is. It's related to that, no, if I'm wrong. It's the, the red... The blood red the, sea? The di- the red dyed sea? Yeah, that's it. it, that's it. Th- the there's red dye and sea in there somewhere along the line, I'm pretty sure. Where the sea dyed red. Shark. Join us next week when we watch episode 22 of Gundam Seed, The Sea Dyed Red, where we get water mobile suits. Yeah, you can tell how excited I am. Yippee. Actually, there is a really cool fight scene in this next episode that I forgot how good it is, but <laughs> until it's still... Until this moment. <laughs> no, no, until I watched it uh, over Christmas, I watched through the series a little bit. And I was like, man, I do not remember this fight being this good. But it's just a fight. It doesn't have any of the emotional impact of the one we just had. So yeah, join us there. You can email us at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com. Tell us how much you like Sexy Romba Raw. Or you can listen to our other podcast, Last Time on Video Games, at that website or on iTunes. And so yeah, until next time where we get a crappy underwater villain. Bye.
Commander! What the heck is going on around here? Why are we stuck on top of the Lessifs? Oh my, do all members of the Le Crusade team object to their superior officer's orders, or are you just extra special? No, however, we have a lot more experience against them. More than you do! Losing experience doesn't count. Uh, 